you're curious about what happens in coaching, prepare yourself for a deep dive into an experience of self-leadership. Liz Blake is an award-winning leadership consultant who does a lot of coaching with high-level professionals and works with people not just to achieve what they aim for, but to get into the depths of who they are. We don't spend much time in the shallow waters in this interview. Liz shares a lot of her own journey with us and is a real illustration of the importance of doing your own work to be able to provide transformational results in others. Liz is a business mentor, helps people to advance their careers and leadership, and she also teaches holistic practitioners about the business aspect of setting up your practice. She tells us what made the difference for her between not being able to meditate at all to regular hour-long meditations. She's a brilliant example of someone who walks her talk and operates in both the business world, like, you know, IT and sales recruitment, and in the deep soulful work of realms like mindfulness, natural health, yoga, meditation, and beyond. Her company, Lateral Insights, integrates a range of tools such as strength finders, integrity and values, and emotional intelligence to break through the blocks. Her list of awards and recognition is about a mile long, and our conversation took an amazing deep dive into the essence of deep self-leadership, as well as what excites her about her work. Okay, so I'm speaking with Liz Blake from Lateral Insights, who's a leadership consultant. Liz, welcome to Tall Poppy. Thank you, Tethra. So tell me a little bit about your work and um, uh, specifically the the connection to leadership. Well, um, there's a few facets to my work, but it, they all uh, revolve around leadership. Uh, so that is developing leadership uh, within people or identifying traits that to develop that could come out through career consulting, um, directing. Uh, professionals, uh, not just directing, mentoring, coaching professionals uh, to break through career barriers or uh, and to guide them through that. And um, it also t- goes into business mentoring very much on the interpersonal side. And all of that, all of that comes from a focus of uh, the core is leadership. So what does that look like when you're working with people? Tell me a little bit about like how you work with your clients. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm not not sure exactly what you're asking. Oh well, I, I guess I'm I'm asking about you know is is that mentoring? Is it coaching? A consult like because consulting obviously is a, a broad term. Um, it is, and so and, and you know obviously I I know you a, a little bit, not very well. Um, so I'm just interested uh, as far as um, when people work with you is is it coaching? Is it is it consulting? Are you working with individuals or organisations? Okay, there's a bit of both. Uh, coaching is probably my favourite area because you really interact with a person and you see them through uh, compelling change and, and transformation. Uh, the consulting might be where there is just a shorter-term interaction um, and and so, you know, there's an opportunity to do more of that but my greatest satisfaction is where I have worked with people for over a period of time and done significant breakthrough. You know, we, we've accomplished significantly a breakthrough. And what's so awesome about it is that, um, you know, they have complete ownership of it. They, they, uh, they did it themselves. And I'm just the, the quiet leader of leaders kind of thing behind the scenes but they don't which is really I love that I love to, yeah I love to see people coming forward and so so how that comes out to um is is I tend to although I do workshops um you know the, the best work tends to be one-on-one the most effective because you know you really get change in people um and they want the change they want a change um and so the one-on-one is very very gratifying so based on your experience, what do you think it really takes for leaders to uh, or for people to to find that leader within themselves? I guess they need to know what it looks like because when we throw the word leadership around, it can evoke all sorts of images um, and a whole lot of emotional uh, 
baggage and feelings and, and context. And so the first thing is to get an idea of what leadership is. Now, that's not something I would necessarily define to somebody, but it's something I walk people through. We um, typically uh, identify leadership traits and um, and values. Uh, we typically do that, but I constantly refer back to that because they, those particular developing those traits can come out in any style. Um, you know, they can be told within any any context, a small business, an entrepreneur or a corporate, you know, a, a top professional, <laughs> a very, yeah, I should say, professional. Um, so I want to come yeah. back to the traits in a moment, but can you tell me a bit about what you think the role values plays in leadership? I don't see that you can lead without values. Values drive all behaviour, all decisions, and it's they're behind everything. And, and we all have values, but where that fits with leadership or in the effectiveness of leadership, um, and this area really excites me, is our ability, developing that ability and clarity, clarity around that. Like it's like a compassionate, brutal honesty yeah. <laughs> um, um, uh, of of how I am, how I stand under pressure in those particular values. Because I can imagine a lot of people have values that they're not even necessarily aware of. Like we might value security more than we than we anticipate, and that may drive us in directions that we don't recognize without that sort of awareness mm. so what what do you think I guess I'm, I'm curious about your your thoughts around bringing those innate values to light and perhaps you know where there are values that we w- would perhaps aspire to and I've done an awful lot of work in this area and um, very grateful to a, a a, a company who's got some great work, um, integrity and values, and I've done a lot of work in that, and um, in profiling leadership, it gave me enormous clarity around uh, leadership in myself and in others. And so, you know, there are some top. Tw- there is almost any number of values. There's a top 100, top 10, top 20, whatever. But it's there are a top 20, for instance that, um, you know, for the sake of a number, that are the top values for in amongst any kind of leadership in our culture, Australasia. And it's our ability, a person's ability to stand in those values. Rather, you know, it's not that, it's not that we have values. The real deal is, am I living that value? Am I making a decision? Am I standing for that value in this moment? Because it's only this moment, then next moment, then next moment, then the next moment that makes it a life. And I guess that to me is the difference between the the values that are sort of subconscious and those that that we aspire to in terms of how we actually behave and um, take action based on on either what we, you know, the the default or where we would like to be. Yeah, so... So there, there are a lot of, you know, there, as I said, there is any number of values, but the ones that are crucial to leadership include things like responsibility. And if you were reading Stephen Covey material, which I was very fortunate to do many, many years of work with, um, we would see that as proactivity. You know, he, he sees personal and public effectiveness in, um, he sees effectiveness in a, in a particular framework. But that so values for real, some of the key values for leadership would in, include um, right up the top there would be things like responsibility, accountability. So you need definition around them. What is responsibility? What is accountability? Because there's a whole lot of uh, muddy waters around that. You know, there's a lot of words that are bandied around with very little meaning. But when you get meaning and definition and what this means in this situation at work or that situation at home, wherever, <laughs> um, you know, that clarity is like, bang, okay, I see it. Oh, that's not being accountable. Oh, that's what's costing me such and such. That's why I get so much pain. So the work I do is becomes really, you know, the sorry, the framework I come from really um, 
it's quite it's it's fun because it's it's really about well how much do I enjoy the pain or do I enjoy you know or do I want to live a little bit you know, more at ease with myself because I say I have these values. You know, I say I value responsibility. I say I value self-awareness. I say I value vision and, you know, that these are crucial. But how crucial are they? (laughs) You know, are we making decisions? Are we, you know, little decisions along the way, not just the big decisions, you know? So that's what I mean about standing under pressure. And and I'm interested to hear, you know, just that idea of, you know, do I enjoy this pain? And of course, people would say, of course, I don't. But I think there's also something to be said for, again, that sort of subconscious default behavior that has us sort of in this habitual space of whether it's complaining about something or, you know, complaining about the people we work with, whether it's, you know, managing up or, you know, all all those different things that we we don't realize are at play. So, when we get clarity, when, when we tie back all those defaults, which are learned behaviours, um, you know, conditioning that we've allowed in ourselves, when we go back and keep questioning, well, where is that responsible or where's the response, where can you, where are you responsible for that, where can you, you know, where's your accountability in that, when we keep tying that back into that, the distance between uh, um what the default and what I say I value, it's sort of it, it, the distance, it gets very close and you think, and then, you know, the light bulb moment goes on that, oh, actually what I thought I was getting out of and easy, you know, getting an easy way was actually, you know, I'm about to get bitten. It's really jumping into the shark's mouth. <laughs> and it might not bite today, but it's going to bite. Is, is part of the work that you do about helping people bridge that gap between where they're at now and where they want to be, like that, that default and, and the aspiration? Yes, that's the real fun part because that's where you actually people do, you know, that's where people do stuff. They, and, and I know this within myself. That's the exciting part. It's not the talking about it. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in giving people you know, uh, information as in, you know, this is how it's supposed to be done, blah, 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 blah. There's there's any amount of information around what is, what's missing is how do you get this into your life? How do I, how do I get a change? Okay, so, okay, so if, if, if I want a certain change, if I want to be a certain way, if I want to be seen as a certain way as well, then what is it that's going to, what's getting in the way of that? So what I, thought was and I and I'm talking first person for a very good reason because this is the way the framework but so what I thought was this is the you know my default which was kind of like a relief you know this is uh you know let something slide or you know it's okay we'll let that go that default um you you know you start to see like hang on that that's actually the pain that's the part that's actually gonna that's the part that actually causes this damage that's the cause damage. So now I'm starting to think and feel like, uh, no, I'd actually no, no, I'm going to make a different decision. So you start building a different default in people. In other words, they change their mindset. That's uh, really what. Yes. That, that's really what it is. But changing your mindset is a process, and it can come from a light bulb moment, and it can come from a from. Uh, but it's very much tied to experience. So I walk people through that experience. So when I'm coaching people, which is a large part of what I do, um, when I'm coaching people, uh, it's you know where where you where the framework is um, and the context is what's going on. What are the big challenges or the sticky moments coming up that or something that they're not comfortable about or you know it's something from their life and particularly their work life because that's where they're wanting results. Having said that, you never divide the two from your personal life because you are the same person. You wear different hats, but the way you make decisions comes from the same courage and determination and moral, you know, and emotional fabric. So, and I feel like you're starting to talk a little bit about the traits around leadership, and I'm interested in um, hearing about what you see are some of the, the the key traits around successful leadership, but also. Um, based on your experience, what are some of the the, the ones that um, you know people that you've worked with um, have really been challenged by and have created um, the most transformation in in moving through? 
I would say the top traits of the, that that batch of twenty that I particularly work with. Um, so is that values or traits or both? Well, I'm going to use it interchangeably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Qualities, traits, um, which are values in action. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. Um, so they're right up the top would be things like responsibility because whatever is going on in a person's life, I can you know I can see you know we can we can pull that back to responsibility or it could be accountability. What about self awareness? Developing self awareness and you know what does self awareness mean? Is it navel gazing or is it you know <laughs> self awareness of myself? Or actually, I'll give you a little hint here. It's actually there's a flip side to that coin, which is being aware. Um, reflecting on the impact of your behaviour and values and beliefs on others. So, you know, having some def- growing some definition around self awareness. Um, there's a few others there. There's they're very powerful traits, but they have subtle distinctions. One being impression management. Mm. You know, that was a very very powerful one. Yeah, I haven't mm. really heard of it in those terms before. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. So, and that's about how we come across to others and being aware of, of how. Yeah, the, that, yes, yeah. it's the extent we manage the way other people see us, which is very interesting because it comes in conflict. You know, we in the corporate world, particularly, you there is a very strong pressure to look good and particularly with women and I dealt um, previously and for some years I worked in um, IT recruitment which was a a fantastic window into the whole of business you know there's every company has IT and IT touches everything (laughs) so it it was quite an interesting um, so and I found from you know in-depth interviewing probably thousands of candidates over a few years and employers um I found that, you know, women who really made it in the IT world, you know, who were, you know, CIOs, et cetera, uh, that, and not, not just the men, but I saw the pressure for women to have a high score in the impression management. However, it's actually detrimental to your leadership, you know. Now, I mean, this is where the coaching comes in because you've got to see what actually does you good and what actually is eventually hurts you. I want to go back to the self-awareness stuff for a minute. So when, yes. when people come to you, is are they have they already got a level of self-awareness and, and are, you know, seeking your help to go beyond or or do you sometimes get people who have been sent to you and may not have a, a self-awareness that, uh, that might be problematic? Um, I would say everyone who comes to me has a level of self-awareness because they know they're going to have to spend something and they've and the reason they're willing to think about that is they've seen something they're not happy there's a glass ceiling there's a you know why have all my friends become managers and they're on 2 or 300,000 dollars now or but it's not just that it's it's the I mean that was just a, a comparison but you know why are they managers and why am I just top of my subject field you know what, what? What's why? You know what is it about me? You know, like why is my traits not getting me somewhere when I'm so what I do? And so they've already they're already started thinking about themselves. They they've got a lot of self awareness to develop, but they've got some, or they would not be there. And and I think that's why it's sort of defaulted to, um, or naturally I should say organically. Uh, so I'm work, used to working with people with motivation. You know with inspiring, triggering, working with their own motivation. It's not that hard to motivate people, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually not hard at all. Once you find out what they're motivated by. It, yeah, and, and, and it's it's a little bit deeper and simpler. But, um, uh, but you know, if, if people come to you, that, that they're already showing they have some motivation. And, and so it's, my work is probably um, – naturally as I said naturally gone to uh working with individuals so they may be uh some of them may be very highly paid but they're self-funding because they value and and they want that journey of change they want to change and they're willing to do the journey and then there may be people you know I'm coaching who are a little bit or businesses who are more short term but they you know they have that enough self-awareness there to to get whatever change it is that they are looking for because, you know, we, we only want to do the work that we're willing 
you know, everyone has got their own distance they're willing to go. It's not my, it's not my job as a leadership coach to impose a level of um, purity or whatever or yeah. idealism. Yeah. It's or perfection on other people. That's it's absolutely not about perfection. It's actually about getting an ease in your life because it's like you're living a life that's truthful to yourself, which is just so. Like I know what this feels like as I've done this, and so it's just like a massive difference to your life. Massive. Yes. So are you willing to share a bit about your own personal journey as far as, you know, things that have motivated you to change yourself in terms of your own leadership? Yeah, pain, basically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, because I know my own leadership profile and, and, and then sometime after I did some work on myself, uh, you know, only only a couple of years after that, the big change in my leadership profile uh, in, in, in the key areas, you know, just because, you know, we change a couple of things when they're the important things, they're the the difference makers, the correction points, it kind of ripples into everything else. You know, we don't have to change everything about ourselves. It's just a couple of areas usually. And I had been very, very successful uh, building and leading a direct, a direct selling business uh, organisation all over Australia and New Zealand. I had, you know, I didn't think I was a great leader, but looking back, I knew I held uh, – I, I was a very good leader and manager. Um, I was very successful at that. Uh, but then, um, you know, I went through a time of enormous turmoil, in, enormous turmoil and um, and failure, as as people do. And I was stuck in indecision and being torn. Actually, I was, I was torn between two worlds, and uh, it was a very became a very unhealthy place to be. It was. And it, it, and a destructive place to be, to be honest. And I was quite stuck. And then, until enough pain, um, you know, I couldn't stay there. So I made some change, you know, some, you know, some basic decision. And and when you make one decision in a crucial area and just start living with that, you can then make other decisions. And what happened soon after that initial decision, which was in my personal life, um, what what happened soon after that was, you know, it because I wasn't so torn and so fragmented, I, I my mind and my heart could work better. You know, I was more of a whole person. And then I did this very specific work um and this is the work about getting clarity around leadership. Like I'd done it before and I know I was successful, but I knew there were a couple of areas I had really let myself down in as well, and as we all do. And um, so that's when I did some very strong work uh, with um, leadership development tools with, with this integrity and values company and, uh, you know, became a licensed user and um, did some coaching on a lot of people in, in Melbourne corporate um, as, as part of that. Um, so are you, are you willing to say specifically what that is? Because, yeah, I'm curious about um, the question of what personal or professional development that you've done that's made the difference, biggest difference to you as a person. Sorry, but what exactly are you curious about? So I can answer your question. Oh, uh, well, what's, what's the name of the, the, the program or the course? Oh, oh, okay. It's not a course, uh, but I see I was going into actually, uh, I guess, sell it. Um, which means, you know, go and sell a program, do leadership profiling and, and uh, development in teams, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and I was going to do that in a corporate field. Yeah. But it, uh, I changed direction after that and just um, started working more uh, using the same material um, but not doing big programs, just doing it one-on-one, -on -one, okay? So so the, the work itself is, yes, it's integrity and values. So um, it's actually just called integrity and values. Yeah, and, and that's, oh, okay. that's, that's the source material. Now, that's one thing. That that work there is what gave me um, clarity so that it gave me a set of glasses because um, I wasn't just co – I, I didn't um, – I, I learned to deliver it. So I, I learned a deep understanding of it and learned and took it all on board for myself. You know, I absolutely owned it myself because I needed that clarity myself. And then everything or my experience – both the positive and the neg negative, came to life. And I started being, right, that's why that was so good. That's why that was so successful. That's why that really killed me. That's, oh, <laughs> you know? Right. So it was like it put a light and that's why I use that tool. Um, so that's that's some work that shone a light. But um, maybe going a little bit further back to what you might have also been asking is um, uh, I 
I wanted something and I needed to give myself permission. For me, it was a behind this was a journey of self-love and not just criticism. So that's my personal journey. And, um, you know, because I can be, you know, pretty critical on myself and, uh, and it was quite a new thing to start treating myself and seeing myself in a different way and wanting something different for myself and which meant really showing up at the highest leadership level there is and that is self-leadership. Mm. So tell, tell me a bit more what self-leadership means to you. Well, it's actually um, it's actually being willing to leave behind the cocoon of who you were. I don't mean you're essential inside, but the person, you know, the defaults that you had become. Like I really work deeply on myself. Um, but, you know, there, there is what we talked about defaults, I mean, this is getting really deep. This is really like psychological, <laughs> psychologist end. Um, but um, that self-leadership, it could be that, you know, we all have things we default towards. It could be self-pity. It could be default towards uh, aggression. It could be, def- you know, there's certain personal things that we, we under the extreme pressure or under um, – when we when we need to find a safe place, you know, our own little safe place, we go and do something or become a certain, you know, take on that, that certain thing. And it's, it's familiar to us, but it's actually the thing that is, you know, while it kept us safe for a while and it was what helped us cope and actually kept us through and kept us going, a coping mechanism, it actually became the thing that would kill us. That's and that's why I get so excited about taking people through, you know, I don't care if we call it leadership or whatever, but through transformation. And it's it's like just turning the light on the, in their life because what served them before, what served me before, well, no longer serves me. Otherwise, I can't have a different future. Fantastic. Because more of the same can't make a different future. Yeah. Because I need to be the person that I need to be the person in my mind now, this is this is huge. I need to be live and be the person now, just in the moment that I wish I was in a year's time. So it's kind of like I start living who I wanted to become. And and when you just do that enough, it kind of it's like sewing something together. It kind of becomes your life. So did you spend a lot of time identifying what that person who who you wanted to be a year from now was and what they did and who, what they um, were like? It, when I do this with other people, it takes a process because they've got to start from the start usually, um, but it's a it's a incredibly enlightening process and it's a, it's a it's got a great I have a great framework to do that with them to do it with myself. Um, I didn't have a framework, but. I feed my mind and I feed my heart and my heart and mind actually, um, both. And um, hang on, I'm losing your question. What was the question again? <laughs> um, so I'm curious about the what it took for you to get to the place of um, the person that you want to be a year from now. Oh, okay. Yes, that started off with how I didn't want to be. Mm. I wasn't happy. I knew what it was that I didn't want to be. That's a great start. Mm. You know, a couple of certain things. So that's a great start. And and then the person I want to be, well, that was quite unfamiliar to me. It was in one area of my life particularly. And and so I began to embrace the idea or include the idea in, in my life that it could be different, that actually that every day is a new day. When I let myself down or I had let myself down, because that's who we let it, let down, you know, that when I, you know, now today's a new day. It's actually a new start. It's not just that I'm just failing all the time, but it's actually, it's a new start. It's a start all the time giving myself permission. Um, so it was just practising that really and allowing myself the permission that, and I'm still working on it. I'm still, because I'm working very seriously on changing a default, sometimes I still let myself down. So that brings brings me to this question about, um, they say that what you appreciate, appreciate. So said another way, where the mind goes, energy flows. 
And so is, is there a specific area or experience um, that you've had where you've noticed this to be true in terms of where something has thrived as a result of your attention? Yes. Um, for me, it was, uh, and, and this might seem odd in when talking about leadership, but for me, the area of freedom for me and my own integrity, you know, and overcoming was uh, undivorcing my mind and body. You know, I had a mind really good, but I'd let my body go. <laughs> and um, and so that that was my specific area. Everybody has their own particular area. So but is that, that was really my- about sort of um, becoming more of a whole person? Because I think in, in our society right. we are very encouraged to simply operate out of our minds rather than yeah. acknowledging that yeah. we have bodies and they're, you know, um, there's wisdom there as well. So, yeah, is, can yeah. you say a bit more about that? what that was like for you? Yeah, it, it it is. It was very holy. It is and was very holistic like that. So my first, and and this is only my step, but I happened to. So the the method or the vehicle, I should say that that helped me along the way there. That I, it was very 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 hard, and it's still not easy. But it was. It, it, I felt like I was dying every time. But I, my daughter was starting up uh, instructing yoga, and I wanted to encourage her in her business. And I knew this is my chance to start making a change. And like the rubber hits the road, and she's actually an extraordinary instructor, and has become absolutely extraordinary. Uh, but so was you know, yoga it was, something that you used to to reconnect your your mind and body? Yes, it, wow. it, it was, and that was like uh, you know because when you do a with a good instructor, when you do a practice like that, you know you come to face to face with yourself, all the ways you deal with things, you know the way you resist and this and that, and so and and it was and you go through. You know, you go through a development and, and it can't be theoretic. You can't escape because it's in your body and you feel it. You can't. And so that was my first thing and I've kept that and that had some wonderful results and I added gym to that. And, you know, many, many people have already done this long ago, but I had been living in my mind. And um, a, lot of, a lot of us do. I've, I've heard that um, especially in, in relation to, to yoga that um, when you have a, a limber body, it also helps you to have a limber mind. Yes, and well, very much, and uh, and integrated is the word that always comes to me. That's that's what it's about to me, and because when we're integrated, we we're whole, you know, and and we're at ease, and there's just that level of life and vitality and confidence that's it's not even put on. It just it's it's energy and kind of truth that comes from you and authenticity. That's that's what I'm totally about is authenticity. So. Um, but but then about a year ago, I added, you know, certain – when I'm looking around, certain books jump off the shelf to me or, you know, I might be searching and I think that's what I'm after and, and, I'll, and I'll buy that or I'll buy a couple of books like that. That's perfect because that was my next question for you in terms of what books have most influenced you. So one of those, like I've mentioned, there's a couple of other books that have been absolutely key. Maybe we can go back to that. Yeah. But, you know, even my development that have um, along the way at different levels because, you know, we, we go along at different levels. But this last one that was, um, and there have been a few around it, but there was a bit of a a, a real breaker, icebreaker, mm-hmm. you know, glass ceiling breaker for me was You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome book. And that took me, led me into, like, I can't meditate for anything. Five minutes would nearly kill me. <laughs> and, and, and that led me through a scientific, through a scientific, through his, his personal story of, that was ridiculous, you know, crazy, but um, through a scientific process or explanation at a cellular level into what I was incredibly uh, very interesting, which is the quantum field, which goes beyond much, much deeper than all the stuff I had learnt previously about, you know, all the positive mental attitude and all that. I knew there was always way, way more to it than that. So I uh, I just I had always in, among, along the years known that. So and I knew there was, I mean, the, the, the spiritual side to me is the core of everything in our lives. Uh, but this quantum reality, you know, the, this idea of other uh, dimensions in life, you know, because we can only see what we can see and experience. So, but this uh, book was a, uh, took me through an understanding of what is like so mind boggling, no one can understand it, but actually, <laughs> but they know it's true, you know, and, and he led, and that led me into, he does a particular kind of meditation. Okay. And so, 
and it was incredible. I did his first meditation the, along his method, uh, which I actually had to kind of do the words in my head vaguely from reading the book because he gives a script in his book. But then I thought, no, I actually want to listen to his voice and, you know, because I think I'm sure it'll be more effective. <laughs> and but even at the beginning, following that methodology, because it's about changing beliefs and perceptions, it's not going to some nowhere place, uh, like it's it, nothing in your mind. It's actually and I sat through and I did almost pretty much every morning for quite some time, I'm not as regular now, but for quite some time, um, hour meditation with no problem. I got the most incredible revelation. An hour. Wow. Incredible revelations of at a deeper level of what I had already known in the past. It was like, oh, and it was like I couldn't even articulate or write them down because these were like, uh, nothing spooky, but the, it was like seeing something in a new language mm. that gave colour to what you had already understood in life. It was absolutely fair. And, and so that gave me, but it also, uh, you know, works, it's all working at a physical level too. You know, it's working with your whole, you know, the particles and waves in your, in, you know, that's the knowledge behind it. And and so I knew along with the yoga and everything, it was just part of the, the process that, that I can now, I know how to put myself and I can put myself in a place where uh, I can really, um, oh, it just, everything changes. I do this in, I'm now studying full-time as well and and um, and I use this meditation to, like before an exam, okay. early in the morning or the night before and it just completely changes my brain waves and it's, and you know, I use a couple of other natural things, you know, along the way. Because, but um, yeah, that so so that has been that particular kind of meditation practice has been um, another real door opener for me as far as staying integrated. And and when I get really living in my mind again, you know, where my mind can't stop, and this is what happens when we're very, you know, really involved in something, whether it's study or work or whatever. But when that buzzing mind, you know, I know I need to do a couple of meditations because it's sort of I can feel the absolute, the connection again and I become, uh, it's like I become real and whole and uh, refreshed again. It's just, it's quite amazing. Yeah, I love hearing that. There was, I was actually yeah. listening to a podcast recently that was talking about, um, bringing meditation to work and, and as a leadership tool and how, you know, it, in the last, you know, five, ten years, it's actually gained a lot more acceptance than initially it was considered, you know, a very, um, not, not something appropriate to bring to work. And now it's, it's you know, mindfulness in the workplace is um, far mm -hmm. more uh, accepted, maybe not practiced in, in huge amounts, but I think mm -hmm. just the fact that people are aware that it's it's useful it's effective mm -hmm. um that it actually really makes a difference in how people not just work but work together and reduces yeah. stress and all that kind of thing well that's that actually brings me to an area that um a point that is comes up all the time in my work and and in what i and, and in the way i filter my decisions now too is uh leveraging ah. uh, so so it's like I don't have time to do this. You know, it's like I have to do that. You know, if I do a bit more of this, it'll da-da-da. And, and then I've learned and I ask people when I'm coaching my, I challenge throw things back at them all the time, but I do it because I do this at myself. I'll challenge myself and say, okay, so if I don't do that, will putting that extra in make all the difference or how will I be at the end of that? And then, and I, you know, make the judgment there. And then, so if I did, a, for instance, a meditation instead or something, you know, in other words, what activity will leverage me more, will have more leverage in the outcome? And so if I look at and I think, I know what this does, this, this 40, 50 minutes or 60 minutes will do, um, I know what state that will get me in. Can I manage everything else around that? And will that, yes, it'll make, yes, I know I can study faster. I know I'll take in, I won't, so I'll actually save time on my study. I'll actually absorb things better, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, I'll do this more effectively and I'll actually enjoy it. And I won't be strained and so tired at the end. I'll actually have more energy. So I think that was a simple decision. Okay. <laughs> well, I remember hearing that, um, I think Gandhi used to uh, look at how, how much he had to do in a day and if he had a lot more to do, he would meditate more. 
Yes, and, and but you know, having said that, we are not super people. So life's not one little simple formula, and you, you know, so there are realistically times where it probably isn't realistic. Yeah, you know, course. there are times when we are really under the pump. But the the trick in self leadership is 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 recognizing when you're under the pump or you're just becoming you're losing responsibility and you're just sort of going with the flow and not making those decisions because the more uh, you act in leadership or, or the more difference you want to make because that's what a leader does. Well, the more different, it's, it's not a title, it's, it's a function. Um, so the more difference you want to make, uh, the 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 higher level your decisions become and so and of course people aren't going to always like that because that's what that's what's necessary so those decisions so you start off like well what's bad I need out of my life get rid of that well okay so those decisions so, so I can do some good things and do more of the good things right and then it's like oh hang on there's too many good things how do I fit this all okay well which <laughs> are the better things in the good things which are the things that are going to make more difference yeah now, remember, and, and remembering the difference, between this is a Stephen Covey work coming up, the difference between, you know, production and production capability, you know, so, and, and I'll use a modern word, sustainability, okay, contemporary word, um, you know, what's sustainable? And, and then it becomes like, I've got my life full of really good stuff, so what's the best? So then I have to start throwing out the really good stuff for the best. I know. And 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 so so you know people will but by, as you go through that journey you learn to then uh, not let uh, you have to you let, learn to let go of the criticisms that come along the way that will inevitably because nobody else knows your journey because you're going further than they are. They're the followers. You're the leader. And that doesn't have to have a title. Leadership is a function. Yeah, that's what excites me about it. <laughs> So um, I'll just before we finish, I want to go back to the question of um, some of the other books that have influenced you, and and, and especially when you're um, working with clients, what are some of the books that you find you refer to them most? Okay, uh, well, one of the foundational ones uh, for me, I discovered, you know, jumped off the shelf to me. It happened to be a new book I didn't realize at the time, but Emotional Intelligence, Daniel Goleman. Oh, yeah. That was probably the first amazing one. Mm-hmm. And of course, working with the Stephen Covey uh, material, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. But that was more working with it because it's quite a theoretic book, it's quite an intense book. Um, but the Emotional Intelligence one was awesome for me because I had to learn, um, you know, I've become. Uh, very strong in um, working with people, but I had to learn all that. Can you say a little bit more about that as far as like the learning the emotional intelligence? Because I've I've, I've heard people say that it can't be taught. Um, and of course, there are those who don't hold that belief. So from your experience, what would you say about learning emotional intelligence? Oh, I'm not sure I can say much about that. Um, it was just an awesome book. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, what, did you, what did you like about it? What what really stood out for for you, or what did it change? What what um, um, what shifted for you as a result of reading that book? Look, at the time, my business was in fragrance, in aromas and fragrance, oh, yeah. in aromatherapy and uh, pure essential oils, the effect that has on you, and also fine French fragrance. So and so, I really wanted to understand. So, in other words, it was starting to touch on the senses, and I was very fascinated with well, what actually happens in the brain, what happens in the system, so what you know, what's happening in the limbic system, and you know, we, we say da da da, emotional memories and limbic system, but but what's actually happening? So I started to learn that. That's what I learned in um, in that book. And, and then tying the emotions in. So it was, it was a journey for me. Um, you can't succeed beyond a certain point until unless you develop emotional intelligence along the way, which is, I mean, there's lots of different intelligences. So it's the art and discipline of managing my emotions and the way I relate to other people. So it's not a topic I would go out and teach. I just incorporate that knowledge, that's all. But it's a great book. Um and then what really I th- another body of work that I is awesome is along the um, strengths incredible book on management. Um, it's one of the key books that is around the strengths the Clifton Strengths Finder work, which is, is um, da- uh, analysis, enormous research and analysis done by. Um, 
strengths you find it under strengthsfinder dot uh, strengthsfinder.com. Um, but that is around uh, it's what the greatest world's greatest managers do. Uh, first, break all the rules. Ah, yes, <laughs> absolute eye opener. And then, so now I use incorporate that work, that's work on strengths, because I really studied that book and the ones that came after that, um, because I, I eat certain books, <laughs> metaphorically, and that became very, very important food, mental food for me. And so that's, I, I use the um, the little profile out of that, okay. that is um, incredibly accessible mm. and even at a even at a basic level, it's incredibly useful. So that strengths finder work, and then more recently, and these are just ones that just jump into my mind is you are the placebo, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and I can remember that simply because um, it was more recent. Yeah, and, yeah. and there are other great ones around it, but th- these are ones that kind of been the light bulb ones that I feel like right. I'm glad they had to come first. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. So just before we finish, is there any particular advice that you would have for tall poppies, for people who are wanting to rise above their current circumstances or their own um, ch- sort of self-challenges? Um, what, what, what advice would you have for, for people who want to express their own leadership in new ways? I think I would say know yourself and know your purpose or get a sense of your purpose could be tied up in your gifts and talents and strengths that and and what you want to achieve in life or who you want to be in life or the sort of person you want to be in life at work wherever or the sort of thing you want to be accomplishing what you see you know get an get start to build that picture don't wait for the perfect do something but um build that picture because i believe leadership is about service it's not about I'm setting myself up for a leadership. If you say oh, I'm setting myself up on a leadership path, I have doubts. I think the I think hang on, how about you just do something and see people follow you, <laughs> and that's the mark of a leader. So, so I would caution about being full of self-importance, but I would also balance that with its self-love and self-belief as well because I have an incredible belief in people that we are all put on earth. You know, we are, we are designed. We're not by chance. We are designed, and, yes, there's a lot of things that spoil us along the way, but those very things that have caused us the most pain are the very thing that we have most to offer in life, and that's a clue. Absolutely. To other people. Yeah, exactly. So what is the hardest thing, being the hardest thing to learn, the hardest lesson in a person's life is is probably an area it will will almost undoubtedly become an area they have greatest impact later. Now, what path that takes, I don't know. So for those leaders, you know, get, you know, start to think about your, this is why the self-awareness is so important. Um, you know, get somebody to bounce off, get some to explore and it's not just navel gazing but it's you know that purpose that who you want to be how you want your life to be is there a difference you want to make in this world you know because it starts to light your life up and then um you know and and then we zigzag through life patient urgency (laughs) (laughs) yeah wow that's really beautiful thank you so much liz i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today Oh, Tethra, it's been absolutely awesome. I hope I haven't confused you too much or your audience. No, no, it's all good stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, what a beautiful deep dive into that intersection of personal and professional development. I really appreciate how Liz was so open with me in this interview. One of the highlights for me was about undivorcing your mind and body. It's so easy to think that we're body-wise and whole and integrating our body's wisdom, but she really named how yoga practice takes the theoretical out of the picture and the reality of how we resist and try to escape. When she talked about the pain, turmoil and failure and the role they played in her own personal change and transformation, it really felt like she named the essence of what it takes but that we don't really talk about or acknowledge so much. 
Here's someone who really has done a lot of work on themselves to impact their own leadership, who is integrating heart, mind, and body, and can take people through all the spaces that we go through when we're committed to doing what it takes to improve our lives, our work, advance our career, and leadership. I love how she defined self-leadership and getting to that place of self-love. When you think of leadership and career coaching, these aren't the typical things that you would imagine, but when you think of what it really takes to make a significant difference, it makes total sense. So what can we learn here? What role has the pain in your life played in your strengths? Do you know your strengths and values? Do you need to undivorce your mind and body? Not everyone needs to take up yoga and meditation, but it clearly helps. Can you imagine the person that you aim to be a year from now? What permission could you give yourself to get to know that person? I was thinking about that for quite some time after this interview, and in some ways it was a bit confronting, and in other ways it was actually quite liberating. I could see some of my own barriers in a new light, and where giving myself permission would make a difference. I also recently did StrengthsFinder, and some of the top five surprised me. And some of the further down the list made me kind of laugh at myself a bit. I've had things like discipline and significance and competition near the bottom and things like connectedness and communication and futuristic near the top. If you haven't done StrengthsFinder, get on it. You can find the link in the show notes along with the links that will help you learn more about Liz and her work and all the books that she mentioned. There was so much about this episode that I really enjoyed. What about you? I'd love to hear your thoughts. What stood out for you? What will you do as a result of hearing this interview? Get in touch via email, poppy at tathrastreet.com. That's T-A-T-H-R-A-S-T-R-E-E-T. Or leave a comment on the webpage, tathrastreet.com forward slash podcast. Or better yet, on iTunes or Stitcher, comment with a rating to help your fellow listeners make an informed choice about listening or not, because Tall Poppy isn't for everyone. Thanks for being part of the Tall Poppy community and this changing paradigm of leadership, looking at it from a different angle where we consider the whole person and our own leadership, regardless of our role at work, in business, and in life. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time when we speak to David Burkus of Radio Free Leader about the Working Smarter Summit. <laughs>